Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders, and this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to give it a like and to share it. That really helps us out. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload any type of content. If you're listening to this through the Heart and Hands podcast, through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you like what you see, if you enjoy the classes, if you're if you're blessed by them, I want to encourage you, partner with us in this ministry. You can go to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. We have a donate button there. We are a 501c3 organization, and so I want to encourage you, if you like the content, if you enjoy it, go ahead and partner with us and help us spread more of the teaching and the gospel. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 21 tonight. I'm excited to get into it. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of good stuff here. A lot of good stuff. A lot of hard stuff. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, but uh, I'm real excited to jump in. You want to go ahead and yep. pray for Let's us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being our God and for loving us. We thank you so much for the, for the life that you have made available for us uh, through your son, Jesus. We know that uh, through his sacrifice and through his shedding of blood, that we can have a relationship with you, and we cannot say thank you enough. Bless us, Father, as we study tonight. Bless us as we strive to learn and understand. Give us the courage, Father, to apply what we learn to our lives so that we can be the very best we can be. Be with our audience tonight uh, in every aspect of their lives. We know that there's uh, they represent all facets of life, and, and some of them may have some issues that they need you to deal with. And I pray, Father, that your hand would be on each one of them. Bless them as they... Uh, as they partner with us and as they move forward with us. Thank you for them, and thank you for their, for their diligence in watching and, and being a part of this. Thank you again for your son. We love him, and we love you, and we're thankful for him, and thankful that you've uh, uh, caused him to be a part of us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you, brother. You've been an elder in the Lord's Church for how, how long ago? Long time. I don't know for sure how long. I'd have to ask Pam Taylor. I don't know for sure. Okay. I don't want to ask Dan Marshall. He, we came in together. I don't. Decade? I don't know. Uh, no, it's been no twenty years. Oh, okay, twenty, 20 years, years. A couple decades. Yeah. So, so let me ask you. Since you've you've been around the Lord's Church, you've you've walked with God a long time. You've you've seen things, and so I just wanted to ask, um, how many times have you watched the consequences of sin rip apart families? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm seeing it now. Still seeing it now. Uh, I don't even. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've seen. I've seen sin just rip rip people's lives apart. Make a mistake. Make this mistake. And and you know God is God's told us that he that he is he is forgiving of sin. He remembers them no more. But when we start that pathway, and there's always that chance that we're going to start down that path that we will not come back from, or that I've dealt with people in the world. Uh, went to the jail for a long time, dealt with people in the world, that their lives were, were just inundated with the sinfulness, and they just couldn't get past it, just couldn't work through it, couldn't accept the fact that God would love them through it and, uh, and watched it just descend. I sat in the jail before with, a, with a, a son on one side, father on the other side, and a mother in the women's side. Oh, man. Just destroyed. Families just destroyed, man, over a... Uh, over sin in their lives, all kinds of sin. You know, I watched it. I watched it happen in a, in people really close to me. I've watched it in people in the world that I've dealt with. You know, and uh, you know when it's sad is when I watch it. Uh, when I watch it happen to people in the church that know better, 
They should know better. They do know better. And I've watched it just destroy uh, families, man. Just, and it has a ripple effect. It doesn't just destroy that family. It, it ripples into other families as well. And pretty soon, you can have whole generations that have, have been lost because of some sin that somebody started and then another one tech kind of piled on and another one piled on and mm-hmm. pretty soon you've got a, you've got you know well if you know if you, if you uh, I watched a, I, I watched a, a, a family that I was really close to really close to and uh, and uh, the guy the guy cheated on his wife mm-hmm. and it uh, and she could not get past it she could not she could not forgive. Uh, I thought we had the marriage saved. I thought she couldn't get past it, man. She just couldn't. And uh, and one day I was over there counseling with them, and I just asked them. I said, "If you're not going to do what I tell you, and you're not going to do what God tells you, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Because it's obvious. Because one of the things that came out of her mouth was, he had his turn, I get my turn. And I'm going." What? That, and that's what happened. She took her turn, and it destroyed the whole. And it wasn't just her; it was the whole, it, the whole thing. Children were involved, and it just destroyed them, just absolutely destroyed them. And it, and uh, most of them today are not faithful. They're not faithful today, and I was really close to them, and uh, I watched how. Uh, in fact, it, you know there was there was a an opportunity that came up, and I said, "Guys, don't do this. Y'all are not strong enough to deal with this. To deal with what the what the what the thing is." And I can't tell you a lot because I don't want you know. But it, I just said, "Don't do this." And it wasn't sin. It was just it was a change of occupation. I said, "Don't do this. This is not going to be good for you. Maybe one day, but not right now. Don't do this." Did it anyway. And it destroyed them. Destroyed them. And, and I've seen that. I've seen people. I've seen people make decisions based on jobs that wasn't sinful at the time. Right. But it caused them to start to start to be alienated from each other and alienated from God. And it, at some point, it turned into sin. I've had I've had guys that that cried like babies and said said. Oh, oh, why did I? Why did I, I made all this money? What was I thinking? I lost my family. What am I going to do? <laughs> you couldn't put the you you could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It wasn't going to happen. It was too late. Made some bad choices. Made some decisions based on man. They were making a lot of money. You know, and you know we've got. People today that are making decisions based on on employment and careers that you know seem good from a world perspective, not sinful, but it can turn sinful, right? Because we put ourselves in a place where, or, or we put ourselves in a place where, where we neglect our relationship with our families, we neglect our relationship with God, we neglect our relationship with with other people, other godly people. And pretty soon, what's going to happen? What is Satan going to do to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, I, for me, what I what I've seen, you know, and I've, I've and I've been very clear about this. You know, I've only been a Christian for a few years, but what I've seen is like, how do we define success? 
you know, and I, I've seen, I've heard people tell me, you know, oh, well, you know, my children are a success. Mm-hmm. Oh, why are they a success? Well, they have a good paying job mm-hmm. and they, they have a good paying job and, you know, um, they, they, they make a lot of money and, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, right, but are they faithful? Mm-hmm. What's success? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I look at it and I say, I, I want my kids to grow. I don't really care what my kids do for a living. I don't care what, what education my kids get or not. I want my kids to grow up praising God mm-hmm. and following Christ. That's what I want my kids to do. And making decisions in our lives as parents, I, I know it's, it's paramount, that they see that love and desire in your life. Because Absolutely. if they don't see it Absolutely. in your life, Absolutely. they're never going to follow. They're never going to. It's not like your kids are going to wake up one day and go, they will, I, I'm religious. They you know? will exaggerate the mistakes you make. Because you'll make a mistake, they will, they will, they will pull from that mistake, and many times it is exaggerated in the in in how catastrophic it, it can become. Yeah, I've seen it too many times. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen parents make mistakes, and it's be bad. They come back from it. Children latch onto that mistake that they've seen their parents make, and they run with it, and it's it becomes worse than it ever was for the parents in their lives. Yeah, and it's just it's. You know, I'm going, man, but I think for me, success is I will, I will realize that when, when I wake up in heaven or wake up in, in paradise, yeah. that will be success for me. Now, I am successful now, not because I'm wealthy. I've said that before, not because I have a lot of stuff. I, I, I drive junk pile, beat up cars. You know, I'm, I'm good, uh, but I'm faithful to God. And God has promised me a heavenly home. And I believe that. It's and just, so that makes me successful. And it's just amazing how, you know, these little steps, they're not even, I mean, we, sometimes it's not sin. The first step anyway isn't no, sin. But no. it t- makes it more difficult for us to follow Christ. It makes it more difficult for us to get our family to follow Christ. And so because we take that step, that we open that door, you, you, we were talking one day and you said, you know, I see people opening doors with monsters on them. I know. You know, um, you, know you open that door and, you know, it's, it's so important that we stay focused and zeroed in on him and his word. Because Absolutely. his word is going to help us navigate life. In Ephesians, Paul will say, you know, finding out, living lives and finding out what pleases the Lord. If that becomes our entire mentality, if that becomes our entire dedication, if we're completely focused on how do I lead a life? What decisions do I make? How how do I navigate here in such a way that is going to please the Lord? It's very unlikely that you're going to walk through a door with a monster on it that God is not capable of taking care of. You're right. But that's not popular. No. That's not popular. Not in our culture today, not for our children. It's not popular. Uh, and that's and many of many times we it's it's not it's not financially lucrative many times and it's not popular. You know, it's not keeping up with the Joneses, the next door neighbors. Mm. It's it's uh, because God is is doesn't care about all that stuff. He is he is pointing us in a direction towards him and towards the ultimate reward, and it's not popular because it's many times it it, it becomes a life of service instead of a life of being served. Mm-hmm. It becomes a life of giving instead of a life of taking, and that's not popular. People want to take and they want to be served. They're very selfish. They're very narcissistic. In many instances, not everybody, but. 
and society as a whole is, is very sinful. Well, we live in the most individualistic culture on the planet. Absolutely. To the, the citizens of the United States. And so oftentimes you'll see in this culture um, that we've created here, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. It's all about me. It's all about it's all about what I want. It's all about how you've wronged me. We see that it's very popular today. Absolutely. It's all about how somebody in the past wronged somebody else, and now the result of that is where I'm at today. And there's nothing I can do. That victim type culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see a lot of that today, and that's not what God has called us to participate in. You know, Cole, uh, being you know something I studied a couple Sundays ago was was out of First John was. You know, love's going to be made complete in us, and and this is how. In the world, we are crushed. That's hard. Yes. That's not easy. No. That, that's not. It's not easy being crushed in the world. The world doesn't want crushed in the world. No. They don't want you in the world. They don't want you there, and uh, they don't want. They don't want the principles. They don't want. They don't want what you look like, and so. We make decisions based on softening that blow, softening that that uh, what what has to happen to us, and softening for our children. I don't want my children to have to go through what I went through, so I want want them to have more than what could be the worst thing in the world for them. But we make those decisions, especially fathers, make those decisions based on on what we think is going to make them healthy and successful. And it, we many times, I've seen it not couldn't be further from the truth. You know, when when you have, when you have a, a decision to make, and you're making it based on finances instead of on spiritual well-being mm. and health, your the possibility is destruction. Well, and and I don't want to downplay how difficult these decisions are are to make, because it's look. I, I've been there. You know, you're staring at a financial black hole and you're going, uh, I, so I've been there. I get it. Abraham has been there and he get. I mean, yeah. the, the word of God is so awesome. It speaks directly. That's why I love these stories about Abraham. That's why I love this narrative through Genesis because we see a real man really struggling to really follow and trust in God. And it's so important. You're not alone. When you struggle with these things, you're not alone. But this is why it's so important to be part of a body and, of believers. And like what's going to happen here is he's going to have a wife that's going to make a demand of him here in just a minute. And and it's going to and he's going to have to make a choice. It's going to be a difficult choice to make. And and it's you know, it's you're right. It's it's important that we have people around us that will give us solid counsel, good counsel. You know, that's what it says in Psalm 1. It said, the righteous man does not sit in the seat of mockers. You know, he sits in the counsel of the wise. He sits in the counsel of the just. Man, that's where, where he sits. Sits with good people around him. You know, it's a, that's why I think the, the, the men's breakfast that we do is so important. Because you come with your son. My son comes with a couple of his kids. Sam comes with his two boys. Uh, you know, Aaron, when Aaron, when Aaron Orsak was not... Was not uh, working early in the morning. He was coming with his with his teenage daughter, you know, and it became not a, a men's breakfast now, but more of a men's and children's, and and it's a place where they can come and and just there's good guys there. That's right. You know, I know it's early, but if man, if you're part of this family, guys, and you 
man, come to that breakfast. I mean, it's it's a it's a neat place just to sit and and just to be hang out with some guys that are that don't have the same same focus as the world does. Hmm. It's incredibly important. Incredibly important. Well, and we're going to see today. We're like I said, we're in Genesis chapter twenty-one, and we're going to see a couple of things. We're going to see the awesome faithfulness of God again. Absolutely. We're going to see God coming through on things. We're we're going to see that. We're going to see how horrible sin really is. You know, we're going to see the repercussions of sin. The repercussions. I mean, I know last week we talked about, you know, wanting to take things on ourselves and wanting to to accomplish and things and doubting. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think God's going to get this, or or we're not even thinking about God, and we're going to handle this situation ourselves. Well, we've seen Abraham do that, and it res- it resulted in something that God didn't want, that God wasn't going to uh, work through, but He's going to bless. Make the best of it. Anyway. He's going to make the best of it yeah. anyway. And so we're going to kind of see the the repercussions of that. And and the reality is we're going to see constant problems because of Abraham's sin. Because yeah. of because of Abraham and Sarah, well it was Abram and Sarah at the time, but because of their sin and because of their decision, we're going to see how that spirals out of control and ends even hundreds of years later how it impacts their descendants. And yeah, we're going to see that eventually. We're not going to hit that tonight. No, no. tonight. But I, well, one thing I want to make before we read this first part, this is the beginning of us. Yes. All right? This is, not, I won't say the beginning, because Abraham is the beginning of us. But, but here is the promise that he's been promising them. Here is that son is that they he's been promised. This is the son that God is going to work all of this through. And at some point, Galatians 3, we talked about it last week. Galatians 3 is is that that we are Abraham's descent heirs and, and descendants and heirs according to the promise. Here's the son right that's here right. that makes that possible. Here's the son that's going to make Jesus possible. This is God's plan unfolding. And here is Isaac. That's right. Here he comes. All right. Now, a lot of it, though, the question is, I want to add this on to what, what you said. What you said was excellent. It's very true. But remember, there's an overarching narrative here in Genesis that we're waiting for. The, yeah. We're waiting the for is the Messiah. Is this, yeah. is this it? Is this going to be the person who's going to stomp that yeah. snake on the head? Mm-hmm. And so we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Now the son is born. This has got to be him. It's not. Well, not. no, it's not. But no. all right, Genesis chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So the immense importance for a woman woman to bear a male heir cannot be overstated. Mm -hmm. Um, And this isn't something that was just then and isn't now. No, the reality is, I mean, if we flash forward thousands of years, Henry VIII started the Anglican Church, okay? It was, they were all Catholic back in that time period, but Henry VIII couldn't have 
male's children. He kept he had a wife. She had a female. Uh, she gave gave him a daughter. So he divorced her. He figured out some way within Catholicism to divorce her, set her aside. He married again. That woman had a wife and a girl, excuse me, that woman had a girl. And again, he couldn't, you know, so he tried to set her aside. The Catholic, the Pope said, no, you can't do that. And so he split. He tore England away from the, the, the rest of Europe and the Catholic Church just so this man, Henry VIII, could get a divorce and marry another woman and try to have a male heir. The importance of male heirs throughout all human culture cannot be overstated. It is incredibly important to people. And so for Sarah to finally be able to give Abraham that male heir, I mean, she's just overcome. Absolutely. Overcome, overwhelmed. Who would have ever thought that I would nurse children in my old age? She's 90 years old. He's 100. That's right. That's old. That, they, they Even are. in their culture, that's old. <laughs> that is old. <laughs> you know? Of I'm, course. I'm 70 years old. The thought of having another child you know not not even not even funny not even not not just having another child but having another child in 30 years i i i watch <laughs> i watch you and your children uh-huh. and i watch paul and his children thanks but no thanks <laughs> no got a tattoo man do not want to do that again Nuh-uh. but I, but you know this is a fulfillment of promise this is god has promised him for 30 years yeah. yeah, been promising. Here's coming. You know, it just tells again, God's time frame is not like ours. My goodness. Um, could you imagine waiting 30 years to collect on a promise? Mm. And we know, look, we've, we've, it hasn't been 30 years. It's been, what, maybe 16, 17 weeks, somewhere in that area that we've been doing this class. So we've been watching this promise unfold for, for a while, yeah. For maybe 10 weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. We've been watching, waiting for this promise to unfold. Mm-hmm. And so, could you imagine waiting 30 years? Most of us have given up and moved on. He doesn't. He didn't. Well, and there have been there have been trying times. Yes, there have. Right? I mean, we've had the the invasion of the kings from the north that came down and sacked Sodom. Mm-hmm. We had the the debacle with the famine, and then he went lived through that famine in the land, and then he went down to Egypt and he lied to that king to, ostensibly to save his own life, right? And then we uh, had the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We've had, I mean, we just, it's just hit after hit after hit for Abraham. Mm-hmm. It's not like this guy has lived a, uh, it's not like this guy has lived a, a peaceful or unremarkable life. It reminds me of the, uh, there's a Chinese, I think it's a Chinese proverb. No, 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 excuse me. It was a, it was a curse in the Greek culture, in the ancient Greek culture. And it, the curse was, may you live in exciting times. That was the curse. Really? May you live in exciting times. That's what one great, I believe it was the Greek culture that came up with that, but it was, it was, it's meant to be a curse. Huh. Wishing exciting times upon someone. Well, and Abraham has lived, you could easily say, through exciting exciting times. Yep. A foreigner in the land, wandering about, waiting for God to come through on these promises. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we've seen him trip, we've seen him stumble, we've seen him fail, and yet God has been ever faithful. And here, 30 years after the promise, yep. he's come through. It's pretty yep. awesome. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. So, of course, he circumcises his son. Abraham gave the name Isaac, and God said, this is what you're going to call him. You're going to name him Isaac. He said that a couple of yep. chapters ago. Mm-hmm. We've seen that come through. So all is wonderful and peaceful no, it's and not. <laughs> happy no, in the land it's not. of Abraham. No. You got two women in the same house, not a good day. Well, 
And we're about to see that. So looking Not at verse 8, day. turning to verse 8, the child grew and was weaned. And on that day, Isaac was weaned. Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham on her desire, on her advice. We remember correctly. She yeah. went to Abraham. She's that, the one that did this. That doesn't excuse Abraham. Abraham should have looked at that and said, no, we're not doing that. We're going to wait for God. That's not what he did. That's not what he said. He followed the advice of his wife. And so now we've come to this, verse 9. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Now, how old is Ishmael at this point? I don't remember how what when that was. You know what is uh, what well, is he Isaac? Was, here is what probably three. He was thirteen when he was given. He was thirteen when he was given uh, the covenant of circumcision. Ishmael was. I okay. He was thirteen. Is what the text says. So okay. he was thirteen then. That was how old was Abraham when he was given that covenant? That's in Genesis eighteen. Remember. Genesis 17. 99 was a year ago. So it was a year ago. So Ishmael is 14 at this point. So he's 14 here. So Ishmael is 14 at this point. And and Isaac's what, three, four? When Isaac, did they wean him? When, when, when would he have been weaned? Wean, wean meant that he's no longer nursing? Yes. I don't know if it ever tells us. It doesn't, it doesn't make, as, as far as I can tell here, it doesn't, say, it doesn't give us a specific age for Isaac. So Ishmael could be anywhere between 14, 14 to 17, somewhere in there, 14 I think he's to 16. Probably, he's probably, uh, uh, he's prob- yeah, he's probably in his, in his mid to late teens. Mid to late teens. How important is it to have a father in your life in your mid to late oh, teens? Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's extremely important. And, and uh, they've been focused on this child and this pregnancy for a whole year. You don't think that there's been some issues? There's been some resentment? Well, and then look at Sarah's reaction. Now, by law, by their custom in this day, technically, Sarah is the mother of Ishmael. That was the whole setup there. Yep. So legally speaking, Sarah is supposed to be Ishmael's mother. But is that how this has happened? No, that's not how it's unfolded. So Ishmael has had to experience rejection from Sarah. He's had to experience some rejection or what he would interpret as rejection by Abraham. Because mm-hmm. Abraham pleaded with God, hey, let's let's do this through Ishmael. And God says, no, I'm not doing yep. this through Ishmael. So the son of promise, they've been waiting 30 years, finally comes to fruition. We have finally have this son. You know they're excited. Look at Sarah's reaction. I'm sure Abraham was excited. Oh, yeah. yeah How's Ishmael you don't think- you don't think Ishmael fed off? I mean, saw that. Mm, so Sarah mm-hmm. looks at this, this whole I situation. Mean, I, can, I know, I know just how critical it is when you have three children to make sure that you're aware of what's going on with the middle child. Because that middle child can get, depending on how the parents, you know, they can be a problem. That's right. So yeah, I mean, here's a child. That's, you know, now he's a teenager. He's grown. He's getting strong and he's vibrant and he's, 
you know, and his father has been focused on his, on his, this other woman and this new baby that's coming. And now they, and now they have, have this baby and now they're, he's three, four years old. But do we see how sin can affect that next generation so easily? Yeah. You know, now, now Ishmael is sitting here experiencing this, this horror, this being cast out as a late teen, mm-hmm. you know, from his father's household being, being in a second, Abraham's going to give him a skin of water and some food and say, see ya. See ya. He's going to experience all of that. See how this sin just boom, boom, trickles down to the next generation. So that's what we were talking about before, how, how I've seen, we've seen, well, I've seen sin, you know, jump from person to person, you know, and because this person sinned, then the next person you know, and it doesn't always happen this way. It doesn't always do that. But, you know, you see a person sin and they start to live a sinful, you know, I mean, if you, if you, you know, let's say, let's say a father starts drinking. Okay. He starts drinking. He's got problems at work and he hides it really well. He don't drink much around anybody, you know, and he's, he, but you can't hide it from your family. And, and, the, and the drinking turns into a problem, turns into you know, a, a necessity, a need. It turns into a obsession. You know, and now he's he's addicted. You know, you don't think that affects the family? You don't think that that the the sons are looking at him and saying, you know, how do we how do we fix problems? We drink them away. That's right. And so now you've got got you know you know, I mean, the best decision I made when I became a Christian was I quit doing that stuff. That was one of the best decisions I made. Because, you know, it was, it was, of course, that was the reason I came to God was because my life was such a mess. But that, that's one of the best things I made is I stopped doing that stuff. And, because uh, I wasn't an alcoholic. Right. I wasn't addicted. So it was just a choice. But that's, isn't that what we've been talking about since we started this class tonight? Talking about the choices. That's what sin is. Sin is choices. Well, and if you are, if you're out there and you're an alcoholic and you're, or you're addicted to alcohol, you know, or you're addicted to some kind of sin. The reality is we all have to make a choice whether yeah. we're going to walk away from that. Now, it's not going to be easy and you're not going to be perfect at it. And we have people here that were alcoholics yeah. that have made that choice and are not anymore. But you're never going you're never going to get anywhere with it as long as you continue to live in it, as long as you continue to deny that there is a problem or that there yeah. is an issue. Yeah. And so knowing that. And that, forward, and that, you know, Cole, that's with any sin. That's right. You know, any sin that, that, that starts starts twisting our lives away from God, gotta recognize that it's sin. Gotta recognize that it's wrong, it's evil. And we gotta and we gotta make choices to stay away from it. You know, and having people, godly people in your life that you can count on to tell you the truth. Seems like say, we hey, beat look, that up a lot, don't we? But it's the truth. You know, look, he didn't he didn't save you and not put you somewhere. He saved you and put you in a body. Yeah. Right? He added them to their number daily. He was adding to their number daily. Acts chapter 2 is what he says that. So, I mean, the reality is he puts us in this body for a reason. He gives us the head that is Christ for a reason. He has put um, the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the teachers and the pastors in our lives for a reason. Yeah. And that is to mature the body. To mature the body. And so I've seen, especially in our culture, it's become popular to be like, you can't judge me. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? I can't judge you. I'm not sending you to, I'm not condemning you I'm telling you that the lifestyle you're leaving you're leading is bad for you and you shouldn't that's not me judging you yeah. you know people don't it's like people don't understand there's a giant difference between condemnation and telling you get out of the burning building yeah 
You yeah. know, yeah. get out. Yeah, absolutely. Holy moly. Yeah. But it, instead, and our culture wants to cross their arms and say, oh, no, you can't judge and, me. And see, and, and what, what this, this lifestyle that we, we're dealing with here, this lifestyle, the consequences is still going on today. You know, I mean, and it, and you know, when you look at this, and you see that this seventeen-year-old kid mocking this three, four-year-old kid, that he knows what that three or four-year-old kid represents. He he didn't grow up on an island. He knows what that kid represents. Absolutely. He knows that he's out. That kid's in. He knows that. He has to know that. He's heard the talk. He's wanted. He's wanted to go. He's wanted to go herding sheep with his father. And his father's busy dealing with this new baby and this new child. And you got time for him. I don't know. It doesn't tell us what happened here, but I've watched enough families to know what probably happened. Well, and we, we don't have to guess. Let's let's keep looking at verse 11. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. You think? Could you imagine? But God said to him, so God steps in and intervenes in this. Do not be again. so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And God had already told him that. But I, I can only imagine how greatly distressed Abraham was for oh. God to step in and say, wow. okay, look, guy, this is what you need to do. So listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through, okay, verse 13, I will make the son of the slave woman into a nation also because he is your offspring. So in other words, God has just stepped into the situation and said, Abraham, I'm going to handle it. Yeah. Do whatever Sarah is telling you to do. I am going to handle your son. So what does Abraham do? Now, this is huge. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. So people look at this, and I, I think I've even looked at this and went, Abraham, you jerk. <laughs> Are you yeah. serious, guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here you yeah. go. Here's a water. Here's some water. Here's some food. Barely any water. It's a skin of water and some food. Peace. Bye. What? This a is son. jerk. This is his son. And look, he's laying with this woman. Right or wrong, that's what he's done. And so he's looking at this couple and he's saying, "Hasta la vista. See you later." What a jerk. But stop. That's not what happened. No. It's so easy to get there. It's so easy. It's so easy to well, be Well, it looks like it from our and perspective. Looks, and it looks like it, but yeah. that's not what happened. God stepped into this situation and said, Abraham, got it. I'm going to make him into a great nation. I've already told you I'm going to handle this. Listen to whatever Sarah yep. tells you. Yeah. And so out of immense faith, Abraham, who obviously dearly loves Ishmael, gives them barely anything. And says, go, knowing that God is going to take care of the situation. And, and he it, believes it. And he believes and it. And he believes it. And it kind you know, yeah. it's a it's a and honestly, this is foreshadowing too. Remember, this is a narrative. This mm -hmm. is a narrative structure. These are real things that really happen, but this is also a narrative. And it's foreshadowing what's about to occur. Because we're about to get to a similar decision Abraham's gonna have to make about Isaac. Yes. And it foreshadows Abraham's faith in God. He's going to have to rely on that trust in God here as well as what's coming in the next chapter. But do you think that God knows that? 
Of course he does. Of course he does. He knows he that. Does. He sees this action, right? Let Abraham see fully putting that faith and trust because he hasn't been. Yeah. Let's, let's get it straight, guys. He hasn't been. Yeah, he hasn't been. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He didn't trust God when the famine came in the land. He fled to Egypt. He didn't trust God when he was in Egypt. He didn't trust God when he was in the land of uh, Gerar with King Abimelech. He didn't trust God. He didn't trust in the things that God has said. He didn't. He just didn't. Yeah. He tried to handle it himself. He tried to, to solve the problems himself. He yep. did everything but trust in the promises of God. And then here we go here. All of a sudden, it concerns his son. His first son, legally speaking, his first son, yes. not the son of promise. The one that should be the heir. The one that should be the heir. Yeah. And he's going to turn around and abandon but this kid in the desert. what God's plan was. It wasn't God's plan. But he's going to abandon this kid in the desert. Why? Because he doesn't care about his son? Because he doesn't. Are you kidding me? The text just told us he was greatly distressed. No, he loves this boy. He cares about this boy. But he's trust in God is greater. And he said, you know what? God said he's got it. I've yep. been, it's been long enough. I'm starting to learn. It only took 30 years. <laughs> Gosh, I, you know, I, I honestly, I look at this text as a relief yep. for myself. I've been walking with Christ. I've only been walking with Christ for four years. Mm -hmm. I guess I got a long way to go. You have a long way to go. I got a long way to go. So do I. I got a long way to go. There's a lot of times when, uh, when I just as soon do this by myself. There's just, there's a lot of times, not that I would, uh, that that's what I want, but my personality, but my, me as a human being, you know, let's, let's just, I'm, you know, I'm tired of waiting. Let's get this done. And God said, no, you don't understand. I got other things to do in the meantime, other things that need to happen first. Now you can look back and say, oh, okay, now I see. But it, but you didn't at the time. At the time, you didn't see it that way. And so, you know, I'm looking at it and saying, you know, it's a great lesson for, for all of us. You know, that Abraham needs to, he's he got to trust him. And, and, and here he is. God's going to, look at what he says. When the, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away after, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And he's, as she sat there, she began to sob. This woman loves this boy. And she is a, she is a product of a lot of other people's decisions. She didn't choose to have this child. Nope. This was not her choice. She had this child. She loves this boy. This was Abraham and Sarah did this to her. See how the consequence of sin keeps keeps the dominoes keep falling. Yeah. And now here now the next God heard the boy crying. I do want to point something out though. Mm -hmm. Again, we have a lot of foreshadowing going on, right? Hagar, from the get-go, she is an Egyptian, and from the get-go, she has not believed in God. No. Because no. this isn't the first time that the angel of the Lord is going to visit her. She fled from Abraham and Sarah before. Yeah. And the angel said, go back. I'm going to take care of the boy. Well, here she is under the bushes, sobbing. She doesn't remember what the angel of the Lord told her before. Do you see what I'm saying? There's there is a parallel being set, or not a parallel, but there is a a let me tell you something. one way or the other. Let me tell you something. When when we live this life, it gets really easy to not focus on what God says is coming mm. sometimes. Oh yeah. You know that. 
And people watch, and they know that. They know how you, it, this takes this takes effort. This takes commitment, perseverance. You got to keep on keeping on because it gets really easy to listen to Satan. Yeah. Don't and, don't don't misunderstand. I'm not discounting what she's going through. What I'm pointing out though is in this narrative structure, we're being told something. Yeah. That the Egyptians don't believe God and never have believed God. Remember who the audience here is. It's these Israelites wandering about in the desert. It's Egyptians who have fled with the Israelites because they've seen the mighty acts of God, right? This don't you think there's some Egyptians who are hearing the story sure. going, identifying with her? Absolutely, a bit? absolutely. So they're they're what I'm pointing out and is and did not ever know that story before. There are there are narrative themes being going at play here, and that's mm -hmm. what I'm pointing on. That's what I'm touching yep. on. Of course, for this woman in this in this moment. Of course, it's all horrible. She thinks this boy is going to die, even though God has very clearly told her before yeah. that isn't the case. Yeah. And look at what happens. God comes in in verse 17. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got his wife got a wife for him from Egypt. Now, if I was an Egyptian wandering with the children of Israel, I had fled Egypt, I'd left because I saw the mighty works of God. I'm coming along. Wait a minute. God even cares about this Egyptian woman and her son, who is not the heir of this promise. God even cares about them. Wow. How would that make you feel? I think that might make them feel like God cares about them. Yeah. It's amazing. I think that, I think for so many people in the world, so many people that I've dealt with, that I think that you will have dealt with, they believe that God couldn't love them. Yeah. I've had people tell me, there is no way God could save me because I've been too bad. Let them tell me that. Yeah. And, and it's because... Because we, we, we paint this God into this little bitty toilet bowl. That's what, that's what we do. We got him all cooped up and, and the lid shut. And you know we, when we want him, we open the lid of the box and say, okay, well, well I'll play with you right now for a while. And close the box up. God isn't anything like what we think. That's what we're doing this, guys. So you get a, a sense of who this God really is. He really is unbelievable. And we, but we got this human mindset that's telling us, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. That's not right. That's not right. He can't be that way because that's not what the world's telling me that God is. And here, you know, he's got this boy crying. He's an Egyptian. He's got he's part Egyptian. Abraham has thrown him to the side. And God showed up and said, hey. You know, and he grows up to be an archer, and then his mama goes to Egypt and gets him a, a wife. He is going to be made into a great nation. Yeah. He really is. Going to be king, kings are going to come from him. Problems are going to come from him as well. Evil is going to come from him as well. But we'll see that, you know, as as we go through it. So. 
So I wanted to I wanted to talk about that promise real quick. And at Genesis chapter 16, mm-hmm. the angel of the Lord, starting verse 11, the angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility towards toward all his brothers. So You know what that means? He's gonna be he's never gonna be able to get along with anybody, he's gonna be at war with everybody. Even his own family is gonna be at war with. Yeah. He's going to be a fighter, and, a, and, a, and a, he's going to be difficult to deal with, and all of his kinfolk are going to be difficult to deal with. So I like the wild donkey of a man. Well, and in verse 9, excuse me, this is, Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress, submit to her. I will increase your descendants so much that it would be too numerous to count. So a lot of these, these promises that Abraham received, some of them were passed on to Ishmael yes. just because yeah. Abraham was the father. They were passed on. And so look at what, and, and in this part, right, Hagar says, you're the God who sees me. And we talked about that, right? We talked about uh, Yahweh Rohi, the God who sees me. I believe I'm saying that right. Um, and so where did where was this at in this chapter? And so we're not, we're not supposed to forget about this stuff. We're supposed to be connecting these dots. We're supposed to be going, well, wait a minute, what happened here? And so while Abraham is acting on great faith, He's sending away this boy whom he loves greatly, sending him off into the desert with nothing because God has said he will take care of him. Abraham displays this great faith, and this Egyptian woman, who is a victim at this point, doesn't display any faith. But either way, God is incredibly faithful. He has spoken. He's going to come through again on his word, even when it comes to someone as lowly as this. And this is the same God that you and I are dealing with. The same God. So that means he's extremely faithful to us as well. And, you know, I mean, we, and we're going to keep re, restating that over and over again as we keep going through this. I mean, we've got another text that's coming up that I think I think is, is a you know, that can tell us something. I don't think we got enough time to get into it tonight. But, uh, you know, I think that, that it's, uh, I'm looking forward to getting to that text because it's going to talk to us. Well, we'll talk about this part of this text about us. What does this mean to us? And so we'll do that next week. But, you know, I mean, remember, guys, this boy is sitting, his mama has put him underneath a bush. That means he's probably not doing well, and he's and he's crying. He's a 16, 17-year-old kid, and he's crying because he's dying, and God shows up. God doesn't show up on your time frame. He shows up on his. You know, right. I'll look and say, well, why didn't he show up when the, when they first left and before they ran out of water and ran out of food? Why didn't he show up then? You know? Why didn't why didn't he show up before before my mama died or before my daddy died or before my from before my wife died? Why didn't he show up then? What why is he showing up now? What 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 he doesn't care? See, that's what the world tells him. Well, you see he don't really care. Right. He don't love you. Why didn't he save your mama? Why didn't he save your daddy? Why didn't he save why didn't he save your children? Why didn't he save your wife? Why didn't he save your husband? Well, he doesn't care. No, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. He doesn't he doesn't ask your permission. Right. If the plan is, is up to your standards or not, he doesn't care. He's got a plan. He sees more than we do, and he's gonna. But he is gonna show up, and that's what you need to learn tonight, guys. Is that God does love, and He loves us, and He wants us to be faithful to Him. He wants us to come to Him on His terms. He gave us Jesus. Who's gonna come from this guy? He is the Savior, and He's gonna give us Jesus, and He's gonna shed His blood on the cross, and all we've got to do is be obedient to Him. 
We've got to believe in him, be obedient to him, do what he tells us to do, live by the principles of, of the word that he gave to us. That's right. And we will be saved. That's a promise. That's a promise. So, hey, great story, great, a lot of it, a lot of a story, a lot of things, direction we go. I'm looking forward to what we're going to do next week because it'll put us in the New Testament for the first time in a while. We haven't really gone there for a while, but, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, and then we'll get into the, to the next test that Abraham's going to go through. That's right. Which is going to be a pretty, a pretty significant. It's so strange. Abraham seems, you know, he, Paul says he's our father in the faith, and he seems to go through a lot of tests. Oh, you think? Man, I wonder if I wonder if that means I'm going to end up going through some tests. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem is is we don't acknowledge that they're from God sometimes. Mm. Yeah. You know, we don't acknowledge that that sometimes the things that happen in our lives. Hebrews chapter twelve says, uh, "Endure discipline. Endure hardship as discipline." Well, and it's, we don't you always know, do that. It's easy for me to sit here, you know, in the comfort of this room and say, you know. Maybe we don't get it sometimes and kind of kind of snicker at it. But the reality is I understand very clearly that his tests are difficult. Yeah. They, they are hard. They can be. They're, 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 they're hard. They're, they're, they're that, stressful. But that's why we have to have each other. Well, why we have to have the word. Why, and, that's why we have to have him. But the answer to the test every time is trust in him. Yeah. Trust that's him. the answer. Mm-hmm. Every, I mean, it's not. We, he, gave us, he gave us a whole book yeah. where we could cheat because the answer is written all over it. Yeah. Trust me. Yep. We can go to the end of the book. See what the answers are. That's right. Yep. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these texts, and thank you for the for the for the things that we're learning from Abraham and from Hagar and, and Ishmael and from all of them. Father, the things we're learning about you, how important it is that we stay faithful to you, how important it is that we trust you, in in spite of what may be going on in our lives, in spite of what may be going on in some of the people's lives that are watching tonight. There are things that are happening in their lives, and they're struggling. And they're, they're in turmoil. They need to know, again, that you love them and that, you're, that you want to help. Help them to trust you, Father. Help them to be obedient. Help us, Father, to do everything we can to help them to do that. Thank you, Father, for your son. It's in his name that we pray.